I yeah. hate you people, people actually. actually. I fucking hate you people. <laughs> actually. But you keep coming back for more. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. All right, everybody, it's time for your favorite movie podcast with your three favorite badass knuckleheads and their big time opinions on the movies you love or love to hate. Live from New York City, it's. All right, everybody, it's one fucking hour time. I, of course, am Evan Husney, and I'm joined here in the one fucking hour booth here with uh, Big T, Tom Fitzgerald. T, what's going on? Hey, 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 hey. That's right. That's right. And we also got Mr. Marcus Herring, as usual. What's going on, Marcus? Welcome back to the show. Hey, everybody. It's good to be back here in front of the microphone, rocking (laughs) out another 30-minute music marathon. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's right. All right. Um, So, yes, of course, the show where we talk about one movie for one fucking hour. We're actually embarking on episode 64, which is Oliver Stone's Talk Radio from 1988. So... Guys, should we get right into this? Any sort of pre-chatter thoughts beforehand? Or, I mean, y'all ready? Let's uh, let's do it under the clock. Whatever we're okay. going to say, I guess. That's okay. Just, <laughs> let's okay. We're going to push forward here. All right. I'm going to start the clock. Here we go. Boom, boom, boom. All right. Awesome. Okay. All right. A little yep. backstory on the film for the good people listening at home. Um, we got, okay, Talk Radio, as I said, is the 1988 film directed by Oliver Stone, which is adapted from the play written by Eric Bogosian and is partly based on the real-life murder of Denver radio shock jock Alan Berg. Bogosian stars as a much more tortured version of Berg named Barry Champlain, who is, although similarly bombastic and controversial, and duels nightly with psychos, druggies, and, quote, pinhead rednecks, and other devotees of Slime Time Radio. When Champlain learns his regional show will be going national into millions of homes, he suffers an existential breakdown. But to make matters worse, after his routine and escalating tensions with white supremacist Collins reaches an on-air boiling point, Champlain is gunned down one night after a show just outside his studio. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Exactly. But that's the film. Uh, and I'm really glad that we are finally covering this. We've talked about it a lot on the show previous. Um, yeah. And it's really interesting because this might be the first time that we've covered a movie by a director on this show that we that we find that we really like. And on the flip side, we've done an episode from the same director that we really don't like. Isn't that right? It's so? very strange. It's uh, <laughs> kind of exhilarating. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, he came in twice, like the bad way and the good way. Um, Oliver Stone. That's sure we'll a lot. To, I'm sure we'll get around to the bad way again at some point. Oh. That's not hard. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's, hard. it's not, but he is sort of a fascinating person in this he whole is. thing. Yeah. And 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 you were you were kind of likening it to this idea of like the pancake flipping theory or of uh, of one fucking hour. It's the podcast pancake. That's we're coining that. Um, okay. <laughs> the, the old flip and the flop. You know, okay. there's two two sides to every pancake. Let's put it that way. So, uh, and we're talking yeah, about, and, of course, like you know that we did the doors uh, previously. That that was the right. Sh- oh, right. That's the 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 wrong side of the pancake. God, yeah. Sorry, I forgot. There's that's so right. many. Yeah, <laughs> the wrong side of the pancake we yeah, did was the doors, and uh, right. that's in the archive. <laughs> Shout out to that episode. I had a blast doing that. But this is the other side oh, of the pancake, it. and this is a totally different experience here. And it is it it is a gem, I, I would say, of the eighties. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
And um, I think what's really fascinating about it is obviously, I'm sure we're going to get into it, as I mentioned, the star of the film, uh, Eric Bogosian, this project really sort of started with him, you know, of course, writing the play. But what's even more fascinating behind all of this, and I think something that we should just dive right into, is the actual real life source material that was the jumping off point for this project. Um, Because it is fascinating that, you know, obviously there was a real disc jockey a uh, very loud-mouthed, opinionated guy who was gunned down and assassinated by a white, a white supremacist group. So here, I think, to talk about that, I hear we do... I'm getting word that we do have a call-in to the show uh, right now. So, um, uh, Stu, uh, can you patch her in? Yeah. Stu, please patch her in. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Ramy, you're on the air. Ramy, uh, I think we have Ramy on the line here to talk us through the backstory here. Ramy, are you there? Hi. Uh, good evening, everyone. Uh yeah. Where are you calling from, caller? Um, I'm I'm calling from uh, Boise, Idaho. <laughs> um, perfect. It's perfect. beautiful um, uh, there this time of year. The inspiration for this film was a book called "Talk to Death: mm. The Murder of Alan Berg and the Rise of the Neo Nazis," which uh, which is about this uh, resurgence of uh, ultra right wing white supremacy and uh, neo-Nazi domestic terrorism groups in the early 80s, uh, starting in about 1982. Um, So there was a group called The Order, which was led by this guy named Robert Matthews, who uh, basically wanted to overthrow the U.S. government, uh, cleanse the country of non-white people and Jews, and uh, create an Aryan nation. So, So this group... In a, in, in a wild sort of way, intersected with, with Alan Berg. He, Alan Berg was uh, on the radio doing you know, a talk radio show in Denver, Colorado. Um, he was a Jewish guy, and um, a lot of his broadcasts you know, went out to the Pacific Northwest, which at the time was like the epicenter of the burgeoning neo-Nazi movement. So you have these guys building this, these militias, right? And then, you know, during the day, you have this dude on the radio who's constantly making fun of them. The interesting kind of, the straw that kind of broke the camel's back in terms of the way that he provoked this specific group was um, at the time in the 1980s, this is when the farming crisis was happening, um, where, you know, the, the farmers were losing their land and their livelihoods. And they were in, you know, crippling, crippling debt. So there was this um, this newspaper, this like journal, this super right wing journal called the Primrose and Cattleman's Gazette. Oh boy! Uh, oh. It, it was. I got to <laughs> renew my subscription. Now. That's, <laughs> that's a good read. Can you say that again, please? Primrose and Cattleman's Gazette. <laughs> it was a journal. And so in this journal, this guy named Rick Elliott published it, right? And so he would go travel around the Midwest travel around the Pacific Northwest and he would talk to farmers and sort of like record their tales of, of disenfranchisement and grievance and, you know, rightly, rightly so. Um, but he, he blamed the situation on a Jewish conspiracy of, of, of Jewish bankers who were controlling the U.S. government and creating policies that would cripple the white rural farmers. And so in this little paper that he had, he would kind of spread this propaganda to the farmers and give them that sort of grievance. And so um, Alan Burke found out about this and he was like, oh shit, I got to get this guy. So he's on the show and the guy ends up, you know, pr- probably looking pretty silly after that. Um, and one of the people that worked um, on the Gazette 
ended up being one of the guys in this white supremacist group, the Order, who ended up being one of the four people that 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 assassinated Alan Berg. So wow. he, because of this radio broadcast, there was such a big backlash because he was kind of the guy was kind of outed as being a, kind of having neo-Nazi type ideas, oh, and so. So the the order is like planning all this shit and they have these initiatives. So their their idea because of the Turner Diaries is like they that was like that doc that book that was written about in 1991. You know, yeah, this dude was going to overthrow the US government. But so then these the, they they made a list of people to assassinate and um Norman Lear was on the list. Oh. Um, and and what? It was all like there was like all these, the like, Jeffersons crazy. must end. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Like, the guy yeah. that worked at the Primrose whatever fucking gazette was like, I want to fucking see Alan Berg guy. And and, uh, and bonus, he's Jewish. Yeah. So, exactly. Win-win you know, exactly. for those guys. He was sort of extra inflammatory too, like in his approach, right? Like right. similar to, like to Bogosian's character in this movie. Like he's uh he's he's mean. Yeah, he had like a very contrarian yeah sort of views on things and, and, and really understood the art of basically making people mad at him. I mean, that's the role of somebody right. who's in that position. You know, it's funny. It's kind of like a heel wrestler in a lot of ways. Like you're trying to get yes. heat, you know, Completely. from the people. Yeah, and, and it's right. interesting. Well, I was just going to say, you know, Ramey, you read me yeah. a quote earlier where it was like, here's like, ex like exhibit A, something that Alan Berg would say to get heat. My favorite example was, please tell us, Oh, when um, when John Lennon got shot, like the day after he got uh -oh. shot, he went on the radio and was like, "Yeah, the Beatles are overrated," you know. Yeah. But then, like, it's so wrestling. It's you know, it's some kind of it's theater, and it's, people do yes. like like someone you know decides every now and then like I'm going to be the man everybody hates, you know. And uh, just wondering yes. about his um, his intentions, you know, Berg, mm -hmm. like 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 because I think he was trying to make some earnest points. But the stagecraft does is sort of a tell that he's he's a showbiz figure as much as anything. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I think like he it was actually it's so it's interesting to compare the two characters, like the Barry Champlain character, which I think is very much Bogosian's take on something yes. that was inside of himself. And then Alan Berg is is a little bit of a different animal. Like I think he had a lot of like pathos, but it wasn't as much about like ambition or ego. It was that like he had a lot of like con you know conflicts within himself that he felt he shared with like the rest of the country. And on Yom Kippur, he would basically have people come on and just say, "Why do you hate Jewish people?" So he'd be like, he'd literally just have everyone come on and be like, "Why do you hate Jews?" Yeah, yeah. Like, but he really wanted to know. Right. But the idea is like free speech and let it all hang out. Yes. And yeah. there's so much low hanging fruit. If you want to criticize uh, a society, there's it's endless with America. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, so uh, he's like, "Why are we like pretending we're something better than we are as Americans?" And maybe mm -hmm. I can help shake them out of their stupor and complacency of mediocrity and stupidity in America. And I. I can get behind that. I, I I like that. That's exactly what it is. I mean, I'll let you guys continue with, with the yeah. film too. Just to to finish it off, I was going to say that he was, you know, in his driveway. He was like dropped off his wife at like a party that she was going to, and um, he was fifty years old, nineteen eighty four in June, and they drove by and shot him in the face, basically. And that's yeah. it. Yeah. Wow, 
grim. Right. Well, but, thank uh, you so much, uh, Ramy, for calling in to the show. We appreciate your contribution. You're always the true crime correspondent here on One Fucking Hour. Uh, have a good night yeah. and uh, night, thank you so much thanks for, for the for, intel for, for coming thanks, thanks for bringing guys. thanks for bringing the doom and gloom yes of course alright okay alright alright and uh, Ralph you're on the line uh, so what's going on no I'm just kidding alright uh, alright so um, <clears throat> but that was great uh, I really appreciate that insight there and yeah. uh, but I think it's, it's 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 a good framework to dive into of just kind of the backstory that really helped impart and inspire, um, you know, Bogosian. Because let's talk about Bogosian for a minute. Okay, so you have Eric Bogosian, who is this just, I mean, that mug, that face, the big green eyes, you know. Um, he's just, he, he he's in every, he's literally probably almost in every frame of this movie. The voice. I mean, and who foots the bill? You, Rhonda Q. Sucker. Hey, it could end tomorrow. The $200 billion drug problem in this country could disappear overnight. The voice. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, his voice is incredible. And uh, But he, he comes from the world of, you know, off-Broadway. He was kind of an off-Broadway celebrity in, in, in New York. And he's such a great choice that even though, yes, he did write the source material and he played, he acted in the play, it was so good. I'm so glad they made the choice to keep him in the movie rather than recast yeah. some famous actor, totally, you know, or totally. whatever, because that, that, that really, you know, I think like makes Dustin it Hoffman or something. You can feel you can feel his passion like driving the yeah. project, and he's just like I mean he's like a tour de force actor totally. in this film. Like he's really laying it down, yeah. and yeah, you can really feel it. It makes a huge difference. Absolutely, and um, but yeah, so so anyway, so he was known for doing several one man plays, and then of course he did bigger productions in New York. They won awards. And um, it's just a funny little detail. I was reading this 1988 profile of Eric Bogosian during when the movie came out. And it was saying like literally in this, the only thing that caught my eye was that like his current hobbies as of 1988 was doing yoga to heavy metal music. That was something he was doing in his free time. Hey, hell yeah. So we got that so, in common too. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. But yeah, man. What kind of people. Yeah, exactly. But Eric is interesting because, you know, and especially in this movie, like he's in every almost every frame of this movie, right? Like yeah. more so more frames than not. And um, mm. it's it's amazing that he kind of took this character or it's interesting, I should say. He took the character of Allen Berg and sort of made a more like tortured, self-destructive sort of version of this. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know. I want to open this up to you guys to sort of see what you think. But it's like. The, like the movie really focuses on like how he's kind of losing sight of his identity, you know, who he is himself. Like when we find out that his show is going national, he's going to go into bigger homes. Of course, he gets mm -hmm. super neurotic about that. Um, but it's like the unraveling of somebody. And I don't know if this is the Oliver Stone thing or the Eric thing, but it's like mm -hmm. the unraveling of someone who is really kind of like selling their soul, you know, for media. That kind of seems oh, like a big wow. part of the movie to me. Thoughts? That's interesting. Uh, uh, well, in the sense of Oliver Stone, yes, like, and how he might be influencing that that uh, that part of the film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or or right. that it's yeah yeah, or that it's you know in the I don't know if it's in the play. I'm not sure, but it's just right, like, right, right. That's something that is unique with this version of the story, like right building off the building off the Berg character and making something the neurosis on the on the cusp of uh, of um, upgrading and. Uh, and and maybe fame and fortune uh, because mm -hmm. and, and I'll just say this and you guys uh, just the context on Oliver Stone because there's there's a few big chunky people happening here you know the real guy uh, Eric 
And then, of course, there's good old Oliver Stone. And uh, he was coming. I don't know the order exactly, but he was the fucking man with Platoon. Mm-hmm. And then Wall Street was huge. So that's a monstrous one-two punch in Hollywood. Right. Probably beyond his expectations. And then he did this. Yeah, that was that was the order. And then he did this right after Wall Street. And then yep. he did yep. another absolutely enormous film, Born in the Fourth of July. So he was... And he, you know what? At that point, he could do whatever he wanted. And evidently, he wanted to make a really bad biopic on the doors. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, so there you go. But anyway, I just wanted to open it up. The context is he was coming off two really, and we mean box office and like uh, Oscar winning uh, iconic films, Wall Street guys. Greed is good. I mean, mm-hmm. he made and Platoon, you know, mm-hmm. I Monsters. Am Jeff. I mean, those are really heavy movies, you know. Yeah. And, 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 and I, just the other thing to say is just like, and then this is his after hours kind of. And I love these <laughs> films that sneak these little tiny movies that like kind of get lost in the shuffle of uh, directors, big films. And this is definitely a, a, akin to like what we did last week with after hours and Scorsese. It's like this film is I'm probably rarely talked about, but uh, it happens to be one of my rarely. favorites uh, yeah. of the eighties, you know? So that's yeah. all. Just wanted a statement on uh, Oliver. Yeah. yeah. Is he the type of filmmaker who really processes his like neuroses through his films? Because I, yes. I feel like he's. You think yes. so? Like intentionally. <laughs> early, earlier. Yeah. Yeah. I think earlier. I feel like he's. I feel like he definitely has an agenda, and he's like trying to push, like make a change, make a difference, make a statement with his films, right? And a lot of times it is very political. So like when I I well I reacted to what Evan was saying about you know uh, Bogosian's character has got this. Uh, He's like he's like he feels like a hypocrite. He feels like a sellout. He has that big monologue at the end that finally explains like his state of mind, where he's like, you know, basically says like, "Yes, I'm doing this all for personal gain," yeah. you know, and like, yeah. "I hate you people." Actually, I fucking hate you people. Right. <laughs> yeah. Actually, but you keep coming back for more, you know. Yeah. I abuse you. I insult you. You just keep coming back for more. What's wrong with you? Why do you keep calling? I don't want to hear anymore. Stop talking. Go away! Right. And I guess we're stuck together. So we're going to pull at, that out, by the way, Marcus, and uh, I put make that a, a story in Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. I hate you people. I actually, actually, I fucking hate you people. people. <laughs> actually, but you keep coming back for more. <laughs> <laughs> what you just said? Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Then my processing. No, I don't think so. But I, I didn't know if he was. I felt like it was a critique of talk radio of pundits of people that get out there and right. are, are voicing a political opinion for money saying, you know, it's not uh, saying like that they are hypocrites, but they're in their sellouts and they're stuck with that environment that, you know, they've made their bed. And they're going to line. I looked at it as like a critique of just the yeah. institution of, of like talk radio more than mm. Oliver Stone looking at himself going like, Oh, I made platoon. I'm a fucking I think it's sellout. a, I think it's a combination. I, I mean, just, just to give you guys a tiny bit of context, yeah. I'm talking about earlier Oliver Stone because he got much more, even more agenda driven as the years went. Yes, went. but he he wrote the hand or God, did he direct it too? The hand with Michael yeah. Caine. Yeah, yes. I love that. Loses his yeah. hand. He's yep. a writer, and that is 100 <laughs> percent an Oliver Stone horror movie. Like it's about <laughs> like like you know male impotence, creative impotence, you know revenge, mm. and that is very personal. So he was kind of coming out of being a more personal director. Mm-hmm. Doing sort of large grandstanding statements, you know, is his clear one. And so I think this probably has an element of that, not unlike the hand, actually. Does. Yeah, I think it's like this kind of like growing, maybe 
I don't know, toxic culture with like where media was going from the late 80s into the 90s, you know, trash TV and with, you know, all that stuff. Can like, I, put I think this it's in context, please. Just yeah. like we're so jaded. I'll, I'll just as a statement and then go on. Just because um, I remember this, we're so beyond, uh, we're so calloused and jaded by like, you know, there was um, Jerry Springer's show, but then also now we're here with like World Star and just forget it. It's like everyone's so jaded. But I remember at the time on uh, Geraldo when there was a fist fight during the show and on camera, guys, uh, Geraldo's nose is broken. That was so shocking. Oh, yeah. That was like on the cover of Newsweek. That was like right. where it's like where are we as a country? We lost our way, you know. Like, and, it's, <laughs> and, it's reflecting that. and now it, it yeah. just it's so beyond who cares. Yeah, you know January sixth. Yeah, so, but but at the I, time yeah. it was it was a very hot button issue. That's all right. I'm yeah, right. and but it like I, I think it's part that right, but I also mm -hmm. do think that maybe with the source material in and of itself, like. I don't know. I, I, I've seen interviews with Bogosian talking about the film, talking about the play. I don't think he is very agenda-driven. I think he's more interested in the character yeah. and yeah. interested in the relationship between him and the wife in the movie, um, which is actually taken from the source material. Alan Berg actually had like a close friendship with his ex-wife that he depended on oh. for oh, a lot okay. of things. That's taken from the material. I think he was more fascinated with the interpersonal and the emotional and the inter thing. But I think you could also look at it as um, a way, like, kind of indicting culture, but also indicting, like, or just examining, you know, this uh, this concept of, like, the escalation of, like, free speech and, like, going out there and, you know, the, like, danger of all of this, of broadcasting it on this platform and yeah. inviting in all of this vitriol and stuff. Right. And I think that uh, the, the film does a really good job of showing the escalation of that because... Just a couple things, maybe just, I don't know if you guys want to talk about, but one thing just from a stylistic point of view that this movie, I think, does really, really well is it's incredibly claustrophobic in that, you know, it's taking place predominantly in that studio. And mm -hmm. a brilliant choice that he makes in this movie, and this is rarely done in movies about movies or movies about radio or TV, is that, like, mm -hmm. they're using the radio microphone, like, as the boom mic, in this movie. Uh, Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't care what you think. No one does. You want to know why? Because you're trying to kiss the master's butt. That's what? why. You call me up. You try and get deep with me how much you love Jews. Mm -hmm. And they're really using it in a way to kind of like bring you into the program. Like we become listeners, you know, of this show and are, and are right. getting really invested in like, you know, holy shit. Like uh, this is getting out of hand. Like, He's super reckless. Like, this character is reckless. Like, he's gambling with his life in this movie. We see yeah. scenes in this movie where he's opening things that might, ex packages that might explode on the yeah. air and kill people, <laughs> True. you know? And that's so intense. He's inviting the metalhead idiot. Like, yeah, yeah, bring him up. Give him the address. Let's get him yeah, in here. He, you know? he might yeah. kill us. He might kill us all. But yeah, bring him on. Right. Bring him no on. no idea where he's coming from, but let's do it. Bring him up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Marcus, sorry, were you going to say something? Oh, no, I mean, yeah, I was just reacting to what you're saying on, on two levels, really. Like, one is that, like, you know, that the, the claustrophobicness, shooting in a studio, and how I loved, I was felt very inspired by this movie. It's all taking, mostly all taking place in that studio, except for a couple, yeah. like, a, a walk in the park and a flashback. And oh, then yeah. some flyovers of Dallas, which, shout out to Dallas, that was my childhood skyline, was that green building and the, uh, uh, the X's and the Reunion Tower and stuff. So I was, uh, I was tripping mm. watching that. But um, Nice. 
but yes, yeah, so I, I love that they were able to just take some flyover footage and, and combine it with some studio footage and, and make and film this play and do yeah. sort of like an ultimate filmed play, you know? Yeah. And, 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 yeah. and uh, cause it, it didn't feel caged at all. And, but you could, no. you could feel it was well-written and well-performed. It felt like a play, it felt like a really good play, a really good, really well-filmed one. But also like what the, when you're talking about shooting the microphone or like the microphone reminded me of yeah. just like yeah. all radio movies were coming to mind when I was watching this private parts, pump up the volume, which oh, I Fisher feel like King, right? The Fisher yes. King. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Uh, airheads. Absolutely. <laughs> airheads. Airheads. <laughs> sure. Yeah, G- sure. Good morning, Vietnam, of course, for Tom. Uh, um, Robin. Yep. Robin, but, uh, Robin there. I was thinking about all the tricks that they use to make a radio film work because it, yeah. it, a radio sounds like the type of thing that wouldn't make a good movie, you know, because you're like, yo, I'm going to sit in a room with one guy, you well, know, it doesn't sound like it's going to be very visual. No, it mm. doesn't. But they, I think they, they pull out all the stops here, uh, you know, doing all lots of visual tricks in the film. Mm-hmm. Shooting through the microphone to give it that good sound. You're with Bogosian's voice, like the whole yeah, film. You're getting entranced by his voice. Super. It and, brings you in. It really brings you in yeah. when you hear that compressed, yeah. you know, gainy microphone. It's like right there in the whole time when you're watching it. That's true. Sorry. Yeah, go Absolutely. Ahead. Oh, no. Oh, well, then the other thing, too, is that since it's Oliver Stone, he really just cranks up the drama to like, you know, 11 or whatever, because this is like. You know, everyone that's calling in is a freak and like being in really screaming, crying, going to kill somebody, just rape right. somebody. You know, like it's right. it's uh, it's radio of the uh, radio drama of the highest order. Like, you know, the most yeah. dramatic things that could ever happen on Dante's air radio are happening. Yeah. <laughs> well, what, one what, one evidence of that, of like a really I, to me, like kudos to Oliver. Can't believe I'm saying that. <laughs> but uh, yeah. one, <laughs> what, what, hey, one, you're a fan. Pan, we're pancaking. <laughs> we're pancaking hard over here. Uh, but one, 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 like just great choice stylistically with the movie is, um, you know, Ramy was talking about the Turner Diaries earlier. But there's this great scene where one of the first real like white supremacist bozos that calls into the show and he starts really getting into it with them. You know, um, uh, Barry Champlain starting to get into it and talk about he, he's breaking down the Turner Diaries and what it's about. And it's about the race war and it's about bombing these government institutions and all that stuff. Yeah. But Oliver plays it so well. The intensity of that scene is really on 10 because Eric's shouting and then the music is just like Jews, blacks, homosexuals, feminists, and other mud people. It's an idiotic book written for people with bubblegum brains who never got out of the fourth grade watching reruns of The Blob. It's so, like, in your face and, like, so loud in the mix that, like, it just makes just what he's saying feel dangerous. And it feels like us, like, watching it, we begin to feel like, Jesus Christ, like, he's going over the edge. He's putting himself in danger. Like we It's kind of like listening to, um, like, in Zodiac, the guys calling into the show. Right. About like, um, just, just like, like, uh, this is what I'm getting at. My new tangent here is just like, um, it's hard, but interesting when you successfully do it to have just a voice on a, on a phone be scary and threatening, you know what I mean? And Mm. creepy. Yeah. And of course it's the voice actor that matters a lot, you know, and, and, Mm. and all the choices, what they're saying and everything like that and the music choices and all that stuff. But like, I was just thinking that like, just outside of the creepiness of the, um, you know, a white supremacist is calling like that's pretty overheated, uh, and that's and he, that's why I killed him. But I'm just saying that there's this more normalized kind of like creepy mm. feeling because mm. if you think about it, it's like three thirty in the morning, 
and all for miles and miles there's all these complete strangers yeah who don't who aren't near each other they're miles away from each other from from Bogosian and they're just all alone and it's just lots of space and there's no cars driving and it's pitch black outside but they're all having like lonely weird speaking with lots of lonely weird listening and I think it's it's so fascinating there's no analogy like like, I know. Uh, what am I trying to say? Like, like social media is not blind. It's not the radio. You know right, I mean? right, so, right. You know, yeah, so it's very different to have like people on cam. It's happening now, but I'm saying it's it's visual. There's cams, and and there's nothing about like like and it's it's floating because it's a, the air waves and it's like floating over like the plains and like above cattle at like three in the morning and mm-hmm. and and then and whatever they say is going to be creepy by the context as far as I'm concerned. But then they they usually do wind up probably getting into like weird head spaces and I and I love that some of the more subtle things, um, some of the more subtle rants, you know. So, it's such a I don't weird. Know, I it it's such a weird like phenomenon. Just the idea of right. like these people exactly. calling in to this random thing, and then you're this host <clears throat> who's just being teleported these different voices from around the area. But I love the process because we sort of see the process of how that happens in this movie. Mm-hmm. Another awesome thing about it too is what just makes it equally fascinating. Because I've always wondered like how this happens. But you see yeah. Stu, shout out to Stu, Stu. And, and I'll let you get down on Stu here in a minute. But <laughs> yeah. you see, give me my in, Stu minute. <laughs> but there's this thing you see very quickly, just as a process kind of nerd thing, which is great. Is you see that Eric on his console you know barry champlain has his console and you look over and you see like the green screen monitor crt computer and you Mm -hmm. see that there's a list of all the people they have on hold what their Mm -hmm. name is and then the notes Mm -hmm. that stew is put in there you know like oh Mm -hmm. freaky lonely woman you know who's obsessed with blank you know and hasn't slept in days yeah, yeah. And I love that like Eric, you know, or Barry, excuse me, you know, would be someone who'd like looks over and be like, Oh, I feel like the lonely cat lady right now. Bink. I you know. know. You're like, yeah. hmm, we've done a lot of cat lady lately. Yeah. Uh suicidal yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that's yeah, no, I interesting. Know. It's a yeah. very demented job. I th- <laughs> let me take my stew minute though, just while we're in this neighborhood, yeah, 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 yeah. just really quickly. Yeah. Is um there's one well Stu, it's his assistant, the guy who the, takes you know the incoming calls and processes them for for uh, you know eric's character and uh all i want to say is um and there's a great uh shot in the film in the flashback and Stu oh. like it's a very rock and roll because it's like a rock and roll radio station so it's like rock and roll talk radio at three in the morning and, and, you see Stu and he's got a huge multicolored afro and big oversized novelty sunglasses and he's like smoking a joint he's like this is the best this place has been in a long time brother and it just anyway this is my minute it's just i've always loved um these kinds of characters in movies i think it started with mash the movie mash mm-hmm. where it's like i'm damn good at my job but i'm kind of rock and roll and gonna toss one back and fucking fix this guy up and sew him up and you know save his life and like have a martini it's like rock and roll all-nighter midnighter you know like toker you know kind of thing and uh it's very like you know i'm the anti-boomer guy i'm always criticizing him but that's a boomer thing i love a boomer trope i guess is what i'm trying to say which yeah. is like johnny fever from like WKRP. rock and roll sidekick yeah like 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 rock and roll rock sidekick. and roll 
Yeah, like rock and roll sidekick. Like, let's fucking <laughs> turn the mother out and like twist it into shape and you know, like like haul ass, you know, that kind of thing. But what he's doing is like this stationary job at a radio station, and they're all doing rails like on the board, you know. So, love for Stu. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> shout out to John C. Uh, John C. McGinley is the actor who plays Stu. That's right. So I was shout out to, to him. place him. I was trying to place uh, like what have I seen him in? Oh, he's in seven. Well, you love, in- you, you've got the. You've got the DVD of uh, box set of Scrubs, right, Marcus? <laughs> okay, that must be I think he's from Scrubs. Yeah. He's in he's in he's in Office Space. Office Space might be where you might be. Thinking. Oh yeah, he's he's one of the uh, the, yeah. the guys interviewing everybody That's about it. the job. He's like yeah. one of the yeah. corporate guys. Who's yeah, 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 he's so yeah. good. He's great. Like uh, he yeah. loves Barry White. Oh, no, sorry, yeah. what am I saying? He loves uh, Michael Bolton. Mine both. Michael so Bolton. Yeah. What's your favorite Michael Bolton song? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, um, <laughs> right. So you 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 sort of mentioned a couple things. You 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 mentioned the flashback sequence, which I we have to talk about because Dude. it's 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 probably something that <laughs> definitely was not in the play. But it's an interesting yeah. thing, you know, mechanic here they're introducing here for for, for the movie to kind of give some color mm-hmm. to his relationship with his wife, mm-hmm. who's a fascinating character. Yeah. But man, it was so hard for me not to think about Marcus. You already brought it up. Private parts. It feels so private parts. <laughs> You know, with 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 especially you know uh, Eric Bogosian's like you know big, I don't even know what you call that hair, like big. It's it's a big jufro. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the parlance. Yeah, Um, wig. I think you call it a wig. (laughs) It's it's insane. It's it's it's. I call it distracting. It's insane. It's yeah. distractingly, insanely huge. It looks like a wig that's ill-fitting. Like it's, something's not fitting right on his head. Like it makes changes his hairline or something. Or, right, I like it's it. like stops in the middle of his forehead or something. But, it, it, but is, you know, that, it all works. I'm kidding. It's it's still a cool scene, and uh, yeah. I'm glad they did. It. And it's yeah. not like they're trying to like play him as super younger, but it does have that like yeah. startling thing for a second where you're like, this is the guy I've been watching the whole movie. Now all of a sudden he's wearing a long-haired wig. And I'm supposed yeah. to think that he's a lot younger, you know. Yeah, he yeah. turned his hair up to eleven. Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. But it's I did chuckle. I chuckled when. Oh I yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and you know and, what? Maybe that's even intentional. Yeah. Because like uh, that was a, that was a cringe look in 19. Right. It's got goofy 70s, like uh, right. like right. like uh, something about Mary or something. When you go back to see uh, yes. what. When he's like, exactly, yeah, you know, or, yeah. or like, uh, you know, yeah. Star 80, the way that guy looked, you know, yeah. <laughs> and the 80s really did have a, a beef with the 70s, like, you know, right. get That's those bell bottoms out of here, right? You know, like, I remember, like, I was trained to think the 70s was like super lame as a kid, you know, disco, bell right. bottoms, all that stuff, mm-hmm. even just as a six year old, it was like that's out of fashion, just or whatever. An it wasn't that long ago, yeah, yeah right. exactly. Well, he's so di- like. Because I think it's to show this kind of stark transition that not only does the 70s sort of version of what he's doing take, you know, because obviously he becomes a guest on this other guy's show and he supersedes him by being, you know, Mm -hmm. more controversial and provocative. And then like, you know, the whole world just changes, you know, like like media culture, everything changes. Um, And then, of course, it establishes that he's, you know, why his relationship with his wife, you know, broke up is because not only is he you know, have this kind of, you know, mean spirited D bag side, but he also is sort of like about, you know, uh, his very reckless in terms of his life and his relationships. And he's putting this show. I love how this show. He might even screw up a marriage. Fuck our marriage. Come on. This is important. I need you. 
Don't you want the show to be as good as it can be? This crazy yeah. ass show where he talks to like toothless people on the air is like yeah. this unbelievably important uh, piece it's of art. It's his everything. It's yeah. his everything, which is yeah. just, which is so weird. But it and is. He never that. even planned on it. Like he did stumble onto this, you know. Yes. Uh, through yes. A, through a, you know like a happenstance connection. Right, his job. right, so, right, anyway. yeah. Right. It's like a few markers were like, it's one fucking hour or nothing, you know, to your wife or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right. He yeah. seemed pretty happy selling suits right. too, you know, like so. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It is true. There's, there's part of that arc that doesn't make sense to me. Like, you know, part of his arc, part of him losing his mind and and you know, losing his shit, and then and then being like, that's that's it. You're gonna get the national contract now. There are a few like. uh holes i felt like in you know in the logic that like that popped up for me and that that's one of them is like why is this why is this his like core being now in terms Maybe of nothing else you know yeah yeah well i think i he think might be that, a, a start for attention you know I, yeah it doesn't well, he doesn't seem like he's from the area right like i mean like he is i guess or like did he move around to become radio because he seems like a coastal elite who's like stuck in like, i the think South, that's what it is you know? i think i think that that's a big part of also what the alan berg story was as we mentioned like right. he's coming he came from chicago you know right. and 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 he was on track to be like a lawyer like Remy said and i think his actually the real story is i think his alcoholism got in the way and he might have been disbarred or something and this was something that he fell into like selling as selling shoes like getting spotted on the street and i think that really what it's about is his relationship to his wife i think that's the big key like motivating factor in this whole thing is that his wife played such an instrumental part to his happiness and to his success like she was there it's great that you get to see in the flashback the scene where she calls into the radio program and is kind yeah, of a part good. of it and like and like a part of it in terms of kicking it off and making it successful and then of course mm -hmm. that crazier scene when we're in the present day and right, she calls right. in but the thing is is that i think the whole idea of his character is that it's really about his happiness and where he's at and having this big fundamental midlife crisis where he's living uh, a very dissatisfactory life in terms of this is what he's doing night in and night out. He's dating you know, his colleague. He's probably sleeping with people he doesn't care about. He's very lonely on the inside. And the really thing that is his true happiness is probably his wife. And the thing that's what really, yeah. you know, his, his relationship is the most fulfilling thing and he fucked it up. And I think yeah. that that's something that he's, by the end of the film, once we get to before he actually gets murdered, you get that moment where he's just had that crazy regurgitating monologue of just getting it all yep. out there in the open. And he almost feels like he kind of comes to peace with everything, you know, for a second. Yeah. Like, okay, this is my life. This is what's going to be. We're going to do it again tomorrow. Right. And then boom, 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 he gets shot and he gets, he gets, he gets right. killed. He's, he's cut you know? down. Right. Do we want to talk about the uh, that big monologue scene? That's kind of the penultimate moment. Sure. Uh, I, th I thought maybe we could. I think, I think there's a few, again, you know, it's a complex movie. I think there's a lot of th threads going on here. And I think one of the interesting things is um, the situation. Well, here's, I'll just put it this way. Like, very rarely do you hear someone blame the public. And I think that's actually interesting and significant. The only other time, well, it's in this movie where he's saying, wait a minute, why does this country suck? Because each and every one of you is yeah. failing. To yeah. be a, like a solid brick in a functional, intelligent society, right? Mm -hmm. And um, and you're all like like bringing your, each other down, you know. Like we could be, mm -hmm. um, you know, building like mountains, you know, of consciousness and connectivity and using all this technology 
to advance ourselves, but we're wallowing. He said, I'm paraphrasing. We're wallowing in gossip, basically, and you know, and and in vitriol. And the only time, other time I've really heard that, where you, what I'm saying is you blame the public is a George Carlin line. George Carlin's like, I don't care about politics. I didn't vote for this person or that person. Why are you hating your politicians? You know who you should hate? The people. The people suck because they voted for like Donald Trump. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. why be mad at Donald Trump? He's just a cartoon who's just like ga- gaming the system. Yes. But fuck every single person who voted for him. Right. Like, why let any, why let the public off the hook? So I found that that was kind of a, a thrilling moment to hear that part of the rant. And I think that that is a, a window into his um, state of mind. I think out of all of his own personal conflicts. Yeah, that and, weighs and, on him. And, yeah. Yeah. I think he actually really just took a deep breath and went, I hate these people. And, and, and we failed. Like, it's over. And like, I'm just playing around in the garbage, you know. Of, and of, and of now the, it's going to get society. bigger. No, but I'll say it's triggered. All I'm saying is it was triggered by his exhaustion just looking and staring at that metal head and his complete vacuous <laughs> okay behavior. we're gonna we're gonna that's get to all. that one we're gonna get to that oh, okay, one, okay. No, one second no for sure but i also do think that it's it's the fact that he's about to be amplified nationally means right. that, the, that, that that the fishbowl is going to get even larger and now we're going right. to get alabama weirdos and we're going to get fucking you know west virginia yahoos and it's going to get even grimmer and probably a, he's going to cast a wider net of weirdos yeah. probably right maybe i don't it's know it's going to be blindingly overwhelming for him to try to just breathe in and take in the mass ugly stupidity of America. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We also bet. says he's worried about he wants people he was worried the audience is gonna leave him, you know, that he's worried he he expresses that to his like girlfriend slash assistant or whatever producer or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, you know what my 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 fear is is that everyone's gonna they're not gonna like me, they're gonna go away from me or whatever. You know, that was that's also mixed in there too, I guess. The fact yeah. that he would lose it all. That's you know, true. When, when the stakes are really high. Yep, that, that right. that's so definitely true. Gamble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's ga- yeah he's gambling. That's what he's doing. But I, I did um, want to say mm-hmm. I was opening it up to to have a, a moment to deal with the real gem of this movie, oh. which is I think that it, it's a watershed moment when he just looks and I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but there's a scene in a movie where there's a watershed moment where a man looks into the eyes of a really stupid metalhead <laughs> and just sees and sees America's soul die right yeah. in front of him. And that's so I'm really- opening it up to you, Evan. That really is, I would say, the biggest stroke of genius in the whole it's movie. It's incredible. It scene. is. Okay, okay. So let's let's get into this because it's, it's really it. the best. So obviously, just to set it up, there's a scene, you know, that's that, that or there's, there's scenes in the film that are building as it's progressing where there's a very disturbed caller who keeps sort of pranking. It's We mm-hmm. find out it's a prank, but he keeps calling in to say that his girlfriend is actively overdosing or, you know, committing suicide or something and... We see the studio reps and everybody getting very concerned that the show is getting very off the rails. And so then, of course, you know, as you mentioned earlier, Barry Champlain invites is like, come on down to the studio. Come on down, man. You know, when he realizes, you know, and everyone's like, oh, my God, this fucking guy could bring a gun, whatever. It could be horrible. Yeah, yeah. But of course, it's a fucking brain dead late Ooh. 80s, like like paint huffer, <laughs> you know, literally right. like glue sniffer coming like in. A no budget. Uh, David Lee Roth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coming so in, the, play- the eighties metalhead was like part surfer, part metalhead, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, just like metalhead. I guess just like total buffuno and bonehead buffuno, and played, of course, brilliantly 
Almost a, per, almost a performance that is not even a performance. It's a full inhabitance. Dude, it's genius. I, I want to meet him and shake his hand. You know, dude, I, Michael, Michael, Michael Wincott, Michael Wincott, yeah, who, brilliant. who, who also makes an appearance in, in the doors and anything he's in, he's amazing. He literally is one of the more yeah. unsung Amen. character actors of all time, but I'm going to go out and a wager that if I'm putting together a list of the top five performances in a film, this could be on that list. I'm going to put it that high. I love I'm, it. I'm, I'm love hyper. It. I'm this. I'm going to the moon with Go this for it. because it, it always stops me. Tr- stops me in my tracks. Great, tight, tight close up of that incredible face too. Like they just like Stone made a good decision. He's like, uh, I know where the camera is going to be living for a while. And it's just like, <laughs> you know, like on him and it's mesmerizing. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and, and of course, just like the, the, um, the the twitching you know like that that like in, in his performance and like the <laughs> the like the weird chuckling and the yeah. laughter and, and he, how just, loud he doesn't he even look young but hey freedom's an important thing just like you always say <laughs> like that's what's so grotesque to me yeah like he's reading is like 38 years old like he's not <laughs> yeah. 19 like fucking yeah. iron maiden bro you know yeah he's yeah like 38 i know yeah. yeah totally very sad very pathetic shaking twitching as i mentioned and then of course again another and and this has to be the heavy metal to yoga that bogosian is doing in his free time he I'm because sure. he knows <laughs> that yeah. to drop a megadeth reference in right. this is like authenticity 101 you know like that song by megadeth Right. With like when you actually see the scene where Wincott is like peace sells, but who's buying? You know, whatever. It's like I know. I was wondering where that came from. Like, did Oliver Stone know about Megadeth? Or but you helped us out there. Yeah, heavy metal and yoga. Yeah, it's good. It's a very good, appropriate, accurate reference. And usually it's not right. Like uh, Bill and Ted get it wrong. Wayne and Garth get it wrong. It happens all the time. The new new Slaughter album. Or yeah, whatever, you know, like, no to slaughter. Aerosmith. Yeah, <laughs> right, like, right. Right. yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. But it's like he really nailed it. But yeah, I can't say enough good about that performance. It's disturbing. It's hilarious. Kent, you're an idiot. I sincerely hope you do not represent the future of this country because if you do, we are in sad shape. But you're right. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is the penultimate sort of moment where he is emblematic of every sort of thing that um, yeah. Bogosian is distasteful with in terms of where our society is at. He just stares you know? at him in disgust and lets him, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, what's that phrase? Like, uh, he gives him enough rope to hang himself. He's like, yeah. okay, so uh, what, what do you believe in? You know, that kind of thing. Open questions. Yeah. And then he's like, well, like, everybody should, like, be free, like, women and, like, South Africans and people, you know. Like. <laughs> yeah. And you yeah. know what? Yeah, cut to everybody on the internet. Right yeah, now. I know. <laughs> I know. God, I know. Uh, hang yourself, everybody. It's over. It, it almost <laughs> felt like, I don't know if this is a weird sort of comparison, but it almost felt like that sort of brilliant, um, uh, uh, just like his character and everything was like just a, a, a really nice sort of satire, but it's it's too real to be almost satire. But it, mm. it it's like like Mike Judge, you know, in terms of like Beavis and Butthead yeah. and stuff. Like yeah. it feels I, like all part of that. That's, that's my note right there. It's like grotesque Beavis and Butthead, 
mm-hmm. like real, like real close up of like 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 Beavis, and he's thirty eight. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's horrifying. God, but that's such a great character to put in a movie. It's incredible. I, I, I'm floored. It just it's like uh, he steals yeah. the movie. You know, he anyway. does. He does. You're right, Marcus. Any just... uh, parting glances on? Uh... <laughs> Michael? No, I, I was really, I was not expecting him to pop in there. And he is like almost just the 80s metalhead trope where they're like, they talk, when I said surfer, I meant like, because they're talking like, dude, and so they say things like that. You know, there's a little right. bit of that LA right. mixed in with metalhead at some point, you know, in, right, in right. the 80s. And you see that trope everywhere. So he, he is, a, it's an amazing performance. He's very, it's in a way uh, against Bogosian, who feels very real. I felt like the metalhead was like a little bit was more cartoonish, more caricature. But I mean that I have met people like that. Are you, yeah, have oh, we not too, met so. this guy? Hey, Come we on, yeah, we know this. We know this guy. Oh, but, I have. Um, like, <laughs> yeah, like at a at a record store. Sure, like, I worked at Tower Records around that time, and it'd be like rock and roll my man yeah. just yeah. walking by like they're yeah, right. and 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 the client too has a good you know uh, yes. record of them the client too, too. You know? yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Decline you walked out of decline yeah, too yeah. Yeah. he yeah, walked exactly. out of decline the western civilization yeah. part two 150 yeah. percent yeah. yeah. um, anyway all right i mean i, I loved his performance yeah. i did have some here's my i did have a Uh-oh. gripe with the movie oh. <laughs> ding, ding. marcus's, marcus's contrarian gripe. corner ding 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 Hate you people. Okay, so I thought Bogosian, he's got that amazing voice. He's really bringing an amazing performance. And my issue was the some of the callers, I didn't like their accents. And I did. I thought they were doing like, a, hey, I'm doing like a Texas accent here. And it might be because I'm from there uh, and I got an ear for it or whatever. Okay. okay. Well, uh, some people are doing that. And then some people call in, they talk like this. And that it just sounds like a guy doing the voice to me. You know, and so I, I and then it okay. is people from the cast doing it. So I just wish that they had like got real more of a real people voices calling in more realistic accents. And at the same time, like I say that I have a problem with the accent of people like attempting to do an accent and failing. But then again, I also have a problem with somebody else who doesn't do an accent at all. And Rockets Red Glare pops up again. Which I is know so guys, weird that guys, because I had forgotten that. Full stop. Um, I'm watching it and I'm like, no, 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 no. We just did two Rockets Red Glare movies in a row. I know. And, uh, so weird. Just chilling. What are we up to here? Yeah. So, well, you know what else is we mentioned Mystery, Mystery Train in the last episode, too. And he's in yeah. that fucking movie, too. Right. Yeah. Rockets well, he got Red Glare. Well, was in yeah, this so movie I, just for the audience. He was like the know. Chloe Sevigny of um, <laughs> but, the mid But he, he was in After Hours last week's you know episode, just to, just to mention right. that. Yes, just to be people. clear. Yeah. Yeah. So but, he's uh, got this, um, he's doing like a, uh, he's, his, his character is called like Redneck Caller or something like that. Mm-hmm. And when I don't, I'm, when he, he's the guy who shoots him at the end. So he said, when he shoots mm-hmm. him, he says like, you're dead, fucko. You're dead, fucko. He's got like yeah. this fucking New York accent. Yeah. He's got a bolo tie yeah. and he's going like, you're dead, fucko. <laughs> like it's so New York. And I just, I thought it was a missed opportunity because I would want to see like a redneck, racist, airy, you know, whatever. Sure. Like I, I'd okay. want to see like a more of a, what happens? I've seen a I've seen a New York guy shoot somebody before. You know, I want to yeah. see like what is this like assassin? Wanna, this like Texas see, like, assassin look like? You want to see yeah. like a J Sixer or something? Yeah, got it. Um, yeah, right. So real quick, just with the clock dying here, there's one other scene I thought we could mention because it is one of the other scenes where we do come out for air in this movie when we're not in the studio is the actual scene at the basketball game 
um, which yeah. I think is a is a, is is a, is a very fun scene because I like that. It 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 obviously really introduces you to his neurosis outside of the game, or I'm sorry, um, outside of the studio. But it also mm-hmm. shows just what a hated fucking guy this is in his own community. I mean, he we talked about the <laughs> professional wrestling thing, but like it's like he really is the ultimate heel that the whole community already hates, and that adds a nice. That's a nice little. Uh, added cinematic sequence onto the, the the play version of this to kind of ramp the stakes for just how hated he already is and just in, and and right. and and how right. you know probably well, it helps what us he's in- that, like yeah yeah well it just context. helps us to understand like um you know well you know it, it, I mean there is some analogies somewhat to Howard Stern and and only in this sense in private parts there's a great line in the movie where it's like um everybody's you know he's he's on, on nbc wnbc everyone's complaining he's saying really transgressive crazy shit every morning and uh and they're calling and complaining but they're listening and then uh you know they start asking at the radio station on the, to the complainers it's like well why do you listen to this guy if you hate him and it's like i, I just got to hear what he says next right you know <laughs> right and and and, and that comes key. up a lot that comes up a lot in the movie this idea of like people uh saying they hate him or they think he's trash he should he's he's a loser or whatever but they're compelled to listen to him and i do feel like that is right. kind of this uh thing that that the character eric bogosian's character is wrestling with throughout the whole movie he's sort of like you know what is yeah, that's also another confounding thing about society and culture that he can't quite understand. You know, so why don't you just shut it off if you don't like listening to me? You know, right. yeah. Right. But it's this but loneliness. Then, but quite the opposite. He's yeah. like, no one's listening. Like three people like me and are listening with pleasure, but everyone else is like, like it. You know what? It, we're, we're idiots. The modern term is hate watch. Yeah. You yeah, know, right. Like, like sure. I watch a lot. I don't, don't get into my life right now, but just let me give you a hint. Like, I become kind of obsessed with um, a certain individual who critiques YouTube stars <laughs> and him and his wife. Maybe you can <laughs> see who I'm talking about. But like this guy from Chicago, uh, he, him and his wife, they just hate watch. And you are you get a, a, you're privy to it. You get to watch him. <laughs> Watch like uh, the Jake Paul podcast in Impossible, you know, Paulsable. <laughs> And like, and it's so much fun because it's just like you can the, the hating can never the watching of the hate thing hateful thing never ends. So it's hate watching. I'm doing it. I mean, through someone else who's watching it and making it amusing. But like, I think we all do that. We we say hate watch all the time as individuals and collectively as a society. Do we not? I mean, we did an episode about movies we hate, and I think we hate watched a couple Doy. of those. Right, so, right. Uh, you know, hate is. Hate is uh, hates up there with the um, you know the part of the human instinct you know the mm-hmm. the, the human nature right yeah and yeah. it's almost weird just to repress it hello California right. you know uh, like <laughs> and it is much more I think places like a Chicago that's why I was interested to hear that Berg was from Chicago places like Chicago place Northeast it's like they are just as they they go right from brain to mouth it's like I fucking hate this this sucks. And I'm saying this because I've been living in California for a while now, and the brain-to-mouth hatred doesn't happen. Right. And it's a little weird, I think. Right. A little right. unhealthy. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And if I can say one Tom Rant thing, this is, you know, he had his he had his corner, I got my corner. My <laughs> uncle and my my aunt were psychoanalysts, psychologists. This is the early eighties, and they were telling my mom, who doesn't like gross stuff, they thought that Howard Stern was fascinating. 
and they listen to him every morning and they're psych they're psychologists and and i couldn't believe it i was a little kid and i was like what like why are you smart people listening to this real stupid guy talking about people and they, they were like no 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 he lets it all hang out and it's it's it, there's nothing more healthy than just going i don't like this i don't feel this way i like this despite and it's just it's it's the pinnacle of health to be honest with yourself and your fellow human being that's a that's a great that's definitely why it was a phenomenon and it's it brings up one thing uh, howard stern was that that's one thing i just want to bring up about this movie that real quick and then i have one more thing about the ending i want to touch on before the clock runs out is just the idea of the of all of it which we haven't touched on (laughs) which is On KGAB. You know about this? Yeah, chill. Will you bury the bucks? Don't suck. Stand by. Yeah, which is just like the the sort of that like boomer rock star kind of vibe that that like Bogosian's kind of taking on and that Howard Stern did Mm -hmm. and like that he's aping is like the like leather jacket. The Sam Kinison of where like, you know, (laughs) that intro that that you hear playing all in throughout the the movie feels like it should be preempting more of like a loudmouth comedian who's like a little on the rock and roll side. And Bogosian's not really a rock and roll. Sort of Bill Hicks, like rock and roll sort of personality. It's just such a funny time capsule part no, of the late eighties. I know, so. I know, yeah. totally. I agree. Amen. You know, um, but no, it's re- you know, it's you know, adding like a, another scoop onto this bizarre Sunday is that um, this is why I love it is because it's it's the Sam Kinison world mm-hmm. being represented and and exhibited by a Lower East Side downtown New Yorker mm-hmm. underground guy who knows someone like Rockets Red Glare for Christ's sake. Right. So that that's the right. 80s I love. That's why it's kind of sideways. Like it wasn't made by Sam Kinison. This right. film. It's, it's no. an objective look from like an intel, <laughs> a New York intellectual. So yeah. and, and then Oliver Stone gets involved and it becomes completely strange. Yeah. So because it would hybrid. be unbearable if it was just a uh, Sam Kennison, you know, biopic or something like if that. If he made or, it, uh, it would be unbearable. Yes. Andrew Dice Clay. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, talk radio really captured the imagination of um, artists, underground, indie, downtown yeah. artists, and pretty much started with um, my uh, my life in the bush of ghosts, the uh, David Byrne, Brian Eno. That's right. Um, uh, compil- uh, uh, um, concept album and it's it's actually proto sampling the album is incredibly cool and mm-hmm. um, what one track called America is waiting is actually uh, um, samples of radio talk radio and guys saying like you know I feel guilty and it's like no, no, no. it's like hey man say that again to my face you know that kind of thing and it's just <laughs> all this crosstalk you actually hear the song America's waiting during some montage in Wall Street you know Wall Street by Oliver Stone, right. you know, and uh, there's another fascination. This is a deeper cut, but uh, Butthole Surfers did an entire song uh, with um, some kind of late night Texas talk radio nightmare uh. where a woman can't sleep and she's talking to a psychiatrist and it's an, it's hell on earth. It's called 22 going on 23 from oh, the locust abortion technician mm. album. and mm. that's cool so just I, if, I don't know if you guys have any other yeah. thoughts but just like well, negative land just remind me of that uh, oh, negative land chopping yeah. stuff up and um exactly uh they, they had the one with that does the casey case and you too uh rant right right so, oh yeah. yeah which they got in right, trouble right. for right <laughs> didn't they get sued for that sued. or something yeah sued yeah yeah totally yeah. and so yeah. it's just i think i mean i'm uh i'm not quite sure but i think laurie anderson even like 
or, or more, more to the point, Laurie Anderson, I could see being fascinated by maybe sampling talk radio. Something about talk radio really captivated creative people well, in the 80s, and it became kind of, it's sort of like weekly world news audio, if that makes any sense. You guys know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like kind of like mm -hmm. artists and avant-garde getting into like trash America culture. And right. you get this, and you get Eric Bogosian doing a one-man play. But Pat Talk Radio. So it was in the zeitgeist is all I'm right, trying to say. Right, right, right. And, and yeah, that's, that's just, yeah, that's yeah and that, that, well, that, that, that is super fascinating too, just the phenomenon of talk radio. Just this, right, you know, right. the idea that this yeah. just very bizarre sort of, uh, you know, art form, if you want, or this, you know, really right. captivated sure. so many people. Yeah. yeah. God, there's, uh, there's also that Devo song where it's like, I am Cowboy Kim, Cowboy Kim. And that's like a... That's a that's another story of like somebody got murdered off like a radio DJ that got murdered or something like that, right? Like yeah. I, no, no I don't know what you're talking that about. That was on big mess, big mess that um wow. Evo song. Oh yeah. shit. I have to look that um, up. Well there you go. I, I'm not familiar that, with that one. Yeah. But um wow. anyway, yeah, just uh there was something that was captivating, and I think it's the pinnacle was Eric the play and then this film, you know, and yes. it just gives me kind of the warm feels. It's a very eighties vibe in a good way mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. the way this film like at the place that it's born from this film yeah so, that's totally all. great yeah it's a shame that radio is just uh, is sort of a relic of the past now you know just in general i know people get up and still do their drive time and probably get mm -hmm. their news a lot of their news but late the radio. night radio that's weird. yeah that's dead and it's like radio yeah mm -hmm. that, that's to totally dead but did you guys art. ever do that? I never really did like 2 a.m. talk radio. I used to do Art Bell because I delivered food, you know. So oh, I would shoot. Do, okay. Uh, and then going for long drives, you know, across, you know, long, well, big what stretches. What about yeah, uh, tune into Art Bell? And oh, God. Okay. Like at Adam Carolla. I guess that's different, I guess. Holy right? shit. Love Line? <laughs> you know? Yeah, like Love Line, yeah. Dr. Drew. Like <laughs> that was awesome. more I my, that my gen. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I caught some Love Lines. That. Yeah, for I sure. Remember, I, I remember. For some reason, I listened to Loveline on 9-11. You know, I don't know why, but yeah. like uh, they were taking Jeez. calls about 9-11. Wow. Jeez. Um, Can I say something positive real quick? Real quick. I got one thing too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I liked the just, you wouldn't think about visual effects much in a movie like this, but I did see some visual effects. I thought they were really uh, w uh, worked well helping the... Uh, use maximize the use of the space there was some split screen hidden split screen there's some like hidden composites and stuff like reflections in glass yeah and, right and I, thought, I thought it was really well i thought they used uh, like yes, the yes or something yeah i thought i really loved seeing those visual effects employed well and yeah then, exactly so you see the people in the background in focus and then him in focus in the front really mm -hmm. awesome stuff yep, all right real quick just the ending you were you were mentioning the ending monologue obviously it was really cool how you know the background is rotating behind him you know while he's giving the monologue yes. super cool so good but here's the detail that I don't know if I was hoping you guys would have picked up on is after he gets shot, the closing credits, right? Did you notice this really cool trippy song that was constructed using only dial tones? I love right. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, um, Penguin Orchestra, right? Oh, I was it's wondering this, what it's that this was. Band. Yeah, oh. It's this British band. Yeah. It's this British band. Um, Something Penguin Orchestra. <laughs> oh, and, wow. uh, it's like an early 80s song. No, it's it's dial tone. And Space Hog sampled it. Yeah, it sounds like Space Hog. Yes. That's what I thought of. Yeah. Space Hog a, a decade later. Is All right. It. Shout um, out to Space Hog. All right. <laughs> <laughs> penguin. <laughs> what is that? Penguin Orchestra. <laughs> yeah. Shit. 
right. Something Penguin Orchestra. All right, look it up. Everybody, that was one fucking hour on talk radio. Yeah. Um, but that was good. Uh, thanks for indulging us. Thank you uh, to our call-in, Ramey, uh, for obviously dropping the sick knowledge on us with Alan Berg. That was and, great. Um, that was I got to read that man. book. Oh, dude. I got to give it a ringing endorsement to talk to okay. death. The the true story of the murder of Alan Berg, Talk to Death. It's really fascinating. Very scary read, too, because it's obviously about all of these groups, these white supremacist groups that I'm sure are alive and well and flourishing in today's atmo- oh, you know, world. I think but, Proud Boys are all over uh, East Portland, or, or East uh, Oregon right now, you know? Yeah. Right, right now. Mention, isn't <laughs> so, Day of the Rope right. from that Turner Diaries thing is in um, as part of the Q lexicon, too? So I, uh, I thought it was from a prayer for the roller boys. I thought that's where they got it from. <laughs> it goes back to- I got to say, <laughs> you know, this is his films, you know, over th- it's like 35 years old. Uh, I'm not this kind of person usually, but it's, I'm just saying I don't feel very good. Like things haven't gotten better. Uh, all the badness then have only gotten more pronounced. And I'm not, you know, I'm not like a chicken little, you know, but I'm just being straight ahead. Like um, all the maladies of that time have only exaggerated through technology yeah. and uh, yes poor education and uh you know donald trump was the president for a few years and i'm not even i don't want to be that person i'm just saying that like it's not a good sign it's not not a good sign and i think part of it is the lack of the outrage at this stuff like i said geraldo's broken nose is on the cover of newsweek that was shocking but now who cares yeah yeah exactly that's not healthy just like the the pendulum was swinging to the right in the 80s i think we're going through another time where it's swinging it's swinging to the right i think it's much worse than that i don't think it's about right or left but whatever it's just unhealthy society. That's what I mean. This is our new uh, political talk radio program yeah, that's right. that we're going to be starting. Brought to you by one fucking yeah. hour. <laughs> yeah. I hate that, and I'm. I apologize. Rewind, erase that tape. I'm just. I'm not political. It's not what this show's about. No. No. But no. Just, no. I'm no, just no, saying. No. Hey, you got to let it but all hang film, out, right? You got to let the it all hang out. out. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. But the film did cover these topics. So yeah, of course, of course, of course. Um, while while. To mind. While he's looking up a penguin's uh, space hog, uh, Penguin Cafe Orchestra. Okay. <laughs> right, yeah. I know <laughs> it's a killer song though. It's really weird and cool. Uh, Everyone so get good. Penguin Cafe Orchestra. Got it. Yeah, really cool. Definitely have, have a link to it in the description of this video. But guys, let's cool. just touch on some of the one fucking hour breaking news alerts here, if we can, just for a second. Um, number one, Stu. <laughs> Stu, you got it for Roll us, it. Stu. Okay, so here's what, what's happening. Okay. Uh, number one is thank you to all of our listeners and all of our subscribers. We've reached past the 1,000 subscriber mark. Uh, as <laughs> yes, thank you very much. As our uh, uh, after hours uh, special went online, uh, we we got past the thousand subscriber mark. So you know what that means. We of course are unlocking a live episode, a live recorded. That's going to be fucking crazy. We're going to be live. I know. So we're going to do our own Brutal. little talk radio. Um, so yeah, we will announce that what the date is, the time, everything for the live, the fir- our first ever live show at the end uh-huh. of next week's episode. Okay. So right. everybody get ready for next week's episode. And what is next week's episode? Well, it is Marcus, big Marcus's big birthday, spectacular week <laughs> next week. So <clears throat> it's time for his birthday episode. Congratulations. Yeah, um, and I guess the birthday Thank episodes, you. just before you unveil what your pick is, uh, if, if you've, if you're a new listener to the show, 
We have we do a little thing here on the show where um, when it is your birthday, you get to pick a film, carte blanche, no notes, no feedback from the other two because most of the times we, we pick movies in sort of a communal-based whatever deal. <laughs> we turn that up. <laughs> I couldn't hear that. <laughs> it's birthday boy. Okay. <laughs> There it is. Um, Sorry. And I can't turn it off. Because it's 10. It's it's I, I clicked on the 10 hour uh, air horn. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, okay. Very, Very smart. smart. Very smart. That's true. But anyway, um, yeah, like, for example, uh, Tom, most recently for his birthday in January, covered BJ yeah. Lang Presents. That's in the archives. Uh, I did a crazy weird Canadian horror film called Pin the Plastic Nightmare last year. And then yeah. Marcus last year did Star Wars for his big what? birthday. So it's it's kind of a crazy <laughs> indulgent time just to talk about the movies you want to talk about. It's, that uh, shaped yeah, it's whatever we want. No notes. Yeah, no notes. So Marcus, Great. no pressure. Next week, what are we watching? What are we talking about? For your big birthday uh, episode. It was so hard to pick. Um, you know, Star Wars was definitely, I think, an indulgence. And I wanted to think of something that is an equal indulgence for me, but and, and but also feels meaningful in some way. And what's as big as Star Wars in my life? Well, Led Zeppelin. So uh Song remains essentially <laughs> I know. I, I wish we could. I don't think you. Could, I honestly don't know if we could do an hour on that. I know. <laughs> I wish. Yeah. I actually wish it was a better movie. But uh, yeah, I so not, wish yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah, me too. Sometimes it's, too it's the greatest film ever. Yeah, like about <laughs> yeah. ten yeah. minutes yeah. total. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, then yeah. the rest happens. It's not their best performance. Yeah. But okay, so what? No, it's wh- not. I what are we watching? Not, a lot of it's not even live. But anyway, yeah. like you know, yeah. they re-recorded yeah. it. Whatever. So uh, anyway, but the other Led Zeppelin movie almost. Uh, Lucifer Rising, a film that ah. I, uh, I I knew about way before I saw it. You know, I read about it first in Hammer of the Gods, the nice. unauthorized oh, wow. the okay. Led Zeppelin, uh, you know, biography, biography from yep. yeah, but cool. by their road manager. Okay, and he goes deep into the you know the the story with Jimmy Page, his involvement with that film. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I've always been very curious about that film. You know, of course, after I saw it, I love it. It's got a bunch of Got a deep history backstory, and I actually really enjoy the film too. And you know, I'm a Kenneth Anger fan. Sure, so. Kenneth Anger, and baby. It's legend. A, yeah, it's not even a feature film too. So you know, I was going to say you're watching. This is what I was going to say. This is our first ever movie we'll be covering that is shorter than one fucking hour. The episode. So, yeah. 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 That's that's yeah. fun. Is that how it works? Right. So this should be 42 fucking minutes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but uh, you know, no. and you know what. It's like back backstory on steroids, you know, yes. like, uh, yeah, right. It's, yeah. it's just like nothing but backstory, you know? Yeah. There's it's a lot of fascinating, <laughs> amazing. I mean, I, I love Lucifer Rising because it's an intersection of a lot of really fascinating, talented, right. groundbreaking, one of a kind people that came together right. to make this right. really trippy, surreal, crazy movie. That's very influential. So it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. Great. Well, birthday boy birthday pick. to me Let's do it. thank you that's <laughs> awesome i i'm sure people are going to be stoked on that for sure i know our audience yeah, will so for, one yeah. one fucking hour on lucifer rising for marcus's birthday next week then <clears throat> after that our first ever live one fucking hour show we're not going to tell you what it is yet we'll, we'll announce it next week <laughs> and then after the live show stay tuned because we're going to be unveiling a big project, a big undertaking that we're going to be doing that's going to bring us into like the fall 
or the winter. Yeah. You know, like you got like the got, rest of the year sketched out. Yeah. Basically, with yeah, this two, high concept. It's a, that's all I'm going to say. No. Uh, yeah. We're adding an hour. Uh, no, um, right. but it's two not, fucking hours. <laughs> yeah, but um, it's a it, it, it's inflation. It, it, it's two hours and uh, two minutes. Yeah, one hour. And two. <laughs> yeah, I forget yeah. it. I screwed it up. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> inflation um, joke. But Who doesn't love inflation is, jokes. I know they're 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 all the rage now. But it is going to be uh, a big undertaking and it'd be really cool. It's going to be interactive. It's, I'm very excited. Like this is going to be awesome. So everybody uh, gets psyched about that. But. <clears throat> All right, everybody. Um, I guess we'll wrap that up with that. Thank you again uh, for watching this week's episode. Yeah. And thank you again for the thousand subscribers again. But if you're not subscribed, awesome. you should still subscribe. That'd be great. And uh, we can't leave you, though, without your moment of zen. <laughs> Never gets old. <laughs> of course. And uh, yeah, guys, uh, have a good rest of your week. And we'll see you next week. All right. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. So Birthday long. Birthday week coming up. He's a controversial civil rights leader as well. He's the founder of the JDL, the Jewish Defense League, a very controversial organization. Here is Irv Rubin and his bodyguards, Al and Joseph. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. That was wicked, man.